Welcome to Rice's Rice, a podcast about the British East and Southeast Asian experience where we talk about all things Asian and not. I'm Akina. I'm Jem. I'm Connor. And I'm Hannah, and I suffer from incredible guilt. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, we haven't actually had that before. That's <laughs> yeah. actually quite unique, but also very true. Very true. Um, and I don't know why that is or where it comes from. Do you? Um, yeah, it comes from our parents. <laughs> Uh-huh. Pushing that guilt on us and being like telling them their stories of hiking across mountains to get to school or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's exactly Yeah, my mum used to say, I've been working since I was 13 years old. You got it so lucky. <laughs> oh my God. My mum yeah. said the exact same thing. <laughs> it's just a really sort of strange uh, feeling to be constantly feeling guilt for things like breathing. <laughs> being in the way but yeah it's definitely affected me my whole life I think I'm getting a little bit better now I don't know do you guys feel guilty sometimes when you're around your parents oh all the time yeah for sure but absolutely I think your mom especially does the same thing she always tells me as well like I came to this country like at 15 and I've been working since I was 15 and it's like oh she's not even your mom and she does it yeah Today, we're having rice served with walking and working while Asian. Let's welcome to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I wrote it down. App owner, design expert, lecturer, and walking purveyor, <laughs> Hannah Such. What a boss. Yeah. <laughs> the boss lady. Yeah. Thanks for the amazing introduction. <laughs> so I am a co-founder and I call myself the CEO, because why not, of a startup. Yeah. Um, we're based in London and it's a walking app called Go Jauntly. And it was born out of a frustration of like not being able to find nice places to go for a walk, despite realising that actually London is 47% green space. Mm. And I I was at the point where I just had a kid and there was like not much else to do. There were options like hanging around with new mum friends or like going for long walks with the kid in the pram. So I started to kind of discover my neighbourhood and I realised that actually we were surrounded by green spaces that we didn't really know about. And from my upbringing, I didn't really spend much time like outdoors in the park Mm. or going for walks. And then I did a whole bunch of research and there's lots of research, um, empirical research to show that actually walking in nature is really, really good for you. Noticing nature is really, really good for you. And from there on in, I was like, okay, let's try and unlock these hidden gems that are in and around us. And let's try and make walking a pastime again. And that's how the kind of startup began. That is brilliant. That's cool. I have Go Chortley and I use it you know when it's not all raining because it's been raining for like like two months or something recently yeah but i heard that you did it specifically to make it like a visual guide because you know on a lot of walking apps it's just like oh when you get to this road uh turn at this place but go jointly i like that it's just like here's a picture where you're supposed to be go down this like path and it's very i really appreciate the ui like People very <laughs> underestimate UI when it comes to apps that you use, especially while you're moving. Yeah. Um, and it's just so smooth and very beautiful to look at. Oh, thanks. Do you want to I read? appreciate <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the fact that it's visual because what you just described, like just directions, I would mm. so get lost and get confused. And it kind of makes me feel like it's not really for me. It kind of makes it inaccessible. Mm. But yeah. I suppose the idea of making something like that visual opens it up to people like me who are like kind yeah, of totally. um, that's exactly why we did it by it. Yeah. yeah, that's the other reason is because I don't know about you, um, but maybe it was because I wasn't like a scout or a brownie for ages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think in front of me is North which is just like really arrogant <laughs> and really stupid at the same time. So I'm like, yeah, that's North because I'm facing that way. Um, but that's not right. <laughs> and, and actually I find maps like really confusing. Like it's just, I just find it really disorientating. So we wanted to kind of tap into that sort of like 
a little bit of like helping people to look up and look out. So you're like encouraged to like look around and see, oh, look, there's an oak tree on the left or on the right. And um, or there's a really beautiful building up ahead or just basically helping people to kind of orientate via their sort of spatial awareness as well because that's kind of really really good for a lot of people um in particular women and there's like so many apps and websites out there and they're all like really like you said like kind of already targeted at the already fit the already confident they probably own a compass or a gpx device and so we kind of completely moved away from that and my background is that i used i've worked in um interaction design for about I don't know, 16 years now or something. So I've worked with the likes of Google, Xbox, Nike on like various different cross-platform products and services. And so I'm very design-led and very like evidence-based, user research-led. And so we really tried to take a different approach to the the design um, and we didn't want to copy everyone else. I think that's very evident in the app itself. I feel like when around April time, people realized lockdown was going to end soon i feel like go jointly really took off in uh interest and you got like yeah because i feel because i i feel like because especially because um I did, we didn't mention this earlier but it's like it's user driven it's mm. it's not just you know os or whoever being like go this way it's just like you can mm. be oh this is kind of this this place to this place to this place is quite nice mm. then you can put it in yourself Oh, so I and feel people like, can find uh, yeah, find your because it's by maps, right? Um, so I feel like during lockdown, everyone's like, "Oh, I want to go for a walk," but mm-hmm. obviously we can't drive nowhere, you know, unless you're testing your eyesight. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I think Go Jointly kind of really took off because it's like, "Oh, here's a walk that's ten minutes away from you, yeah. or like mm-hmm. right starting from your doorstep." Mm-hmm. Um, well- Yeah, so um, it was a really tricky time, like I mentioned earlier, but the good thing was that actually people were walking more, like exactly how you said. And what we noticed during, I haven't got all the data and the stats in front of me, which is a little bit annoying, (laughs) but during lockdown, we noticed that more people were using the point-to-point walking map and they were going for basically a lot shorter walks in and around their neighbourhood. And there was a lot less interest actually in the kind of the walks further afield, like the ones that are like the curated walks and tours. Mm. And then around, you remember Maybank holiday was like on a Friday this year. And like Boris was like, yes, you can go out now a little bit further. You can drive. And, um, (laughs) and then basically everyone just started walking a lot longer and a lot further uh, so that was really cool. But one of our one of our biggest sort of visions is to basically create an app. So wherever you are in the world, this is like the big dream. Um, you'll be able to open the app and find a nature-filled walk within a two-mile radius. So we're currently working on a whole bunch of new features that mm-hmm. make that easier. So that's really exciting. That's gonna we're trying we're basically crunching this week and next week to try and get it out during lockdown. Um, oh, wow. so that everyone can like enjoy more uh, doorstep walks so yeah, yeah. you have to That'd check be that exciting. out so, yeah, hope, yeah hopefully. Cool. I'm just wondering though like were you a walky person were you an outdoorsy person before creating a whole apps like around the outdoors and getting yeah. fit and everything yeah no <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh God, I've got so many embarrassing stories of me like being like completely rubbish. So I um, married a guaylo and and he's from like Northumberland. um, So he's used to the outdoors. Yeah. So he lived in like a cottage in like the middle of nowhere surrounded by fields. And he used to talk, he used to talk about things like, oh, I'm going to go and see my friend who lives two fields away. And I'll be like, what? So when I went up to visit him and spent, like, I started to get to know him a lot better, it's sort of like his appreciation of nature and the natural world definitely infiltrated mm. me. And um, So he used to take me for a walk and stuff, and I'd be like, oh, my God, the countryside is covered in shit. There's just shit everywhere. <laughs> it's because, like, there's sheep and, like, cows and yeah. stuff um, and mud, and I was afraid of mud. and But basically, eventually... I kind of got into it because I was like, actually, it's really nice out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was not a walker. I used to, like, I, was, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s and everyone just used to drive. I used to drive to yeah. the corner shop and stuff. It was terrible. And I, I remember saying to my uh, friend, I think it was just after I graduated from uni, I was like, I don't do walking. 
It's not my thing. It's not terrible. My thing. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed by it, but that's the truth. I think it was just, it was a cultural thing. Mm. Did you grow up around London and like kind of around a city or like quite far away from walkable places? I grew up on the South Coast in a place called uh-huh. Portsmouth and uh, it was like a naval town. Like Basically, my mum's mm. from Hong Kong and my dad is uh, white British and he was in the Navy and they met whilst he was posted out in Hong Kong and then uh. Portsmouth is a naval town and so... Cut a long story short, we ended up living there for quite a long time. And it is, Mm. it's flat, it's by the sea, it's like a traditional English seaside city. Um, Mm. There isn't like a huge amount of green space, but there's lots of like coast, there's lots of blue space because you're obviously by the Mm. sea and stuff. But yeah, so I guess I spent a lot of time by the the water, but not necessarily in green space. Mm. Do you think being culturally Asian or like your mum being you know a Chinese mum yeah do you think she definitely came here and was like why would I go outside like what's the point of doing that well I think it's a bit more nuanced maybe but I think she came here she'd been working since she was 13 remember and yeah, of course <laughs> and she was here to make to make a good better life for herself right yeah. and I mm. think that's what happened with a lot of kind of you know, people who moved over from other countries across the world, they want, they came here to make a better life for themselves. And in order to make a better life for themselves, it was about making money, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, and that definitely. is quite big in, as far as I know, in Chinese culture, <laughs> it's all about yeah. making money. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think that probably came first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at the time, I guess if you're like worried, I got to, sometimes I got to put my self in like different people's shoes because I feel like now I come from like quite a privileged background like my mum helped me get to university my dad helped me kind of get through university I got a good education my mum managed to put food on the table she worked really really hard since she was 13 and and I so I find it it's it's difficult if you've got to worry about putting food on the table or clothes on your kids like are you really going to worry about going for a walk or going out or not driving your car and things like that so I think back then she was just worried about making a good life for her family. Mm-hmm. And like walking so, just wasn't really a priority. Yeah. you have yeah. so much other things well, going on. And also, I don't know about you, but my mum was very, very strict. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a Chinese dragon mum thing. Um, but yeah, we were like, we were like, no, you, you don't need to go out. You can read a book or you can go to the library or yeah. or you yeah. can watch TV. Yes. Is basically, that's kind of how we kind yeah. of entertained ourselves. So it was more of a um, like a lack of exposure that kind of probably your perception. Yeah. Rather than yeah. you being told this is not good. It was more like, uh, dude, like this is, you know, watch TV. It's more fun. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, how about you guys? Um, well, my mom actually loved going on like caravan holidays where we take nature walks and stuff. So growing up, it was available to me. And I do have memories through childhood of like going somewhere and walking through woods or forested areas. But I remember feeling like it was really lame. I was just so unimpressed <laughs> by everything nature. Um and like I wasn't concerned with it only until my adult life I mean I guess similarly to you was when I actually started appreciating it and feeling like Mm -hmm. being outside and and taking a quiet walk when you can actually listen to nature rather than like sirens um, Mm -hmm. is very grounding and it's like right now in my life like my early 20s has been kind of pulling me towards experiencing nature more and we went camping just before it got really cold just before tier three and lockdown and everything that would stop you going anywhere and it was just very soothing i mean this year has been extremely stressful for everyone and i was quite struck at how much more soothing it is now that i'm an adult compared to when i was a kid and being made to walk the forest trails how old were you then do you remember Throughout the ages of probably like 10 to 15. Yeah. yeah. I did wonder because there is like evidence to show that there is like a quite big sort of teenage dip in nature connectedness. Oh. So oh. I think it's sort of like, 
Yeah. So I think when you're like, maybe you can't remember if you did it when you were younger than 10, but definitely around that age, kids start to get more and more kind of uh, attracted by other yeah. things going yeah. on like I don't know it was like your game boy or like karaoke or <laughs> I'm just thinking of things that I was doing back then and like just grow and like just growing up and kind of moving away yeah. um from that so I think that's quite a normal experience probably yeah it's yeah. good to know makes sense too like too yeah, much angst to actually sense. appreciate nature yeah 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 and you're growing up and you've got hormones mm. and you're like fighting against your parents and you're like oh my parents are taking me on these crappy holidays <laughs> but actually they sound really nice it was really nice looking back on it and i kind of feel bad that i didn't appreciate my mom taking us on those holidays um because having met you like and hearing about your childhood i was sad to hear that you really yeah. didn't go on those at all and I was like, oh, okay, that actually makes me appreciate that my mom took me on those trips. Yeah, my parents were pretty much more or less the same as yours, Hannah. Is they they didn't well done for surviving. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't hate the outdoors. Well, actually, they might have hated the outdoors. To be honest, they they definitely didn't like it. They were like, they wouldn't stay anywhere under three star hotel or you know, like if it's not as comfy as my own bed, why would I sleep there? Type thing. I think that my dad uh... did that once. I would never go into the outdoors. But I was always kind of an outdoorsy person, I think, because like the severe lack of it, when I saw it in like film and TV, I was like, I want to do that. Mm. I want to climb up a mountain mm. or whatever. And that mm. kind of just grew inside me. Now, my parents, um, I think for us, it was more like we just didn't have the time because um, my dad mm. would be really into it. Like my dad loves watching all these nature things and like oh we should do this we should do that but he'd always be working because it was like that struggle of like you know we're immigrants and we need to yeah. make our space and make our money um but as I got mm -hmm. older and as because I've got two younger siblings as we all were at an age where they didn't really have to look after us as much then we started going on these trips um mm. and I think for me I always enjoyed them but I'm also just really lazy so sometimes I'll be like mm, oh I'd much rather just like <laughs> stay in and warm but again similarly to like to all of you I I've just appreciated it so much more as I've gotten older and it's a really I found walking is a really um, I'm not very good at meditating because I get distracted but walking for me yeah. feels like meditation I get like a clear head and I'm yeah, a very totally. slow walker so I like to um, absorb everything me around me mm. so it's much nicer now than I think than, than when I was younger because when I was younger oh, I'll do this with friends or I'll I'll stay in bed and watch mm. tv that kind of thing mm -hmm. I definitely yeah. think a lot of it is, is time and yeah. Yeah. a lot of yeah. people of color they like you know generally they are walking crazy long jobs and don't have a lot of time so it's definitely a privileged thing uh, to... yeah a lot of i mean as you were talking about like our parents immigration stories that's not a priority yeah to, mm -hmm. to enjoy that Ooh. it's kind of sad how like to enjoy outdoors you have to have free time and then to have free mm -hmm. time you have to have you know a good enough job that will allow that or yeah Something. Yeah, like my mom was working in the like, restaurant business, so mm -hmm. you know she's working till really, really late at night and stuff, or like, and then opening at lunch times and things. It just wasn't really, there wasn't really time. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I was, we were doing some research last year. I think it was last year. This year it's just gone so fast. Yeah, it was last year um, with uh, this skincare brand called Lizelle Beautico, and they kind of did some research around like how much time. Uh, women spend outdoors mm. and it was like the average British woman only got 25 minutes of fresh air daily um, really? and that's usually oh. because they're like walking the kids to and from school drop-off and things like that um, oh. and actually it was like one in ten women um, only manage five minutes or less outside so it was wow. yeah it's pretty devastating when you think about it I think that might be a, a problem <laughs> you know, with women taking a lion's share of some of the responsibility, obviously, that, mm. obviously that's changing a little bit now, but that's probably um, a part of the problem. I did want to bring this up, actually, and I'm happy that you, I mean, as, as well as the cultural ideas that pull us away from nature, it's just like, as as women, and we touched upon it with maps and directions, I've always grown up thinking like spatial awareness is not like a female trait. Like mm -hmm. adventuring is not a female trait. And I yeah. think growing up throughout my teens, that was very much in my subconscious. I knew that like 
I wouldn't be able to read a map. That's like a not a female thing. But um, it's now that I'm kind of like challenging those ideas. Yeah, I think we're all burdened by stereotypes, aren't we? But Mm. I think, you know, it's probably part of our, certainly mine anyway, um, upbringing in that, you know, I basically played, I had, I had some Lego, I remember that. And um, so I did a bit bit of building, (laughs) but Mm. only houses and like dolls and stuff like that. Whereas like kids toys generally tend like, especially boys, traditionally boys toys. And they're all about building and mechanics and movement and I I think probably when we were younger we might probably didn't develop some of those skills that would actually have been really Mm -hmm. helpful now Mm -hmm. Um, but that's obviously like a massive stereotype that and hopefully things are changing but I definitely think there is like a nurture part of that as well as nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah for Mm -hmm. sure I mean also you talk about a lot of this stuff on like a companion podcast which I got to say has an amazing name um <laughs> yeah it's called nature bands by the way i don't even want to check it out um but on there you talk to a lot of people kind of a lot of women who you mm-hmm. know handle not just the outdoors but horticulture and mm. just anything to do with you know nature and the natural world do you think that's kind of your way of trying to change or open up people's perspective to you know a different, yeah, different view. that was probably like a highlight of 2019 when we started the the Nature Bounce podcast because I got to meet some like really incredible people and it was really yeah. inspiring. And I guess for me, it's tricky because I've spent my whole life being told that I was a guaimu or you know like a, <laughs> yeah. basically a, a ghost girl yeah. uh, from my Chinese family, and then on like in school and stuff. I'd get told I was the chink or something like that. Mm. And this was like the, I guess I'm a lot older than you guys, sadly, but like um, in the <laughs> 80s, like it was unusual, I guess, mm. to see um, mixed race people in school or whatever. And so I feel like I've spent a lot of my life not really sure who I am. <laughs> like on some yeah. days I might play up the Chinese aspect but then on the other like if we're going for dim sum and stuff I'll order food for everyone because yeah. I'm like <laughs> such an expert <laughs> and, and then like on the other side I'll just be you know trying to be as like white looking as possible and like I find it difficult sometimes to sort of say I'm a person of color like I don't I try mm. not to, I try not to because uh, I'm so light-skinned and I guess I benefit from that light-skinned mm-hmm. privilege or whatever. Yeah, I'm going off on one now. But yeah, just to finish <laughs> up on, on, on the Nature Bounce side, it was like really about trying to like basically open it up and hear the voices of other people who are connecting with nature and like learning how they connect with nature and what tips and tricks that we could use as well. So it was really, really mm. important for me to make sure that we were as representative uh, as possible because I want because representation matters, and so we tried to talk as, to as many different people. It was quite hard um, for season two actually to get a a broader uh, a, a broader demographic um, mm. because it was like right in the middle of everything that was going on, Black Lives Matter, which is obviously an incredibly important movement. And all of a sudden, lots of black people from, you know, um, with different heritage were suddenly getting snapped up in the news and things like that. So I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't get to speak to a lot of people that I wanted to speak to. Mm. Um, But since you reached out to me, Connor, I have like been thinking about like some of the questions you've been asking me and I was talking on a podcast episode with David Lindo, who's also known as the Urban Birder, and he's so inspiring. And we were talking about how I've only ever seen one East Asian family out when I've been out on a walk. On all of the times I've been out on a walk, I've only seen one Southeast or East Asian family. And and it's just, it's like, it's really bad. Like, where is everybody? What are they doing? um so yeah so like suddenly I've started to think about it a lot more and think about why so I don't have all the answers but it's definitely something that we we all need to work harder at I guess in terms of like representation and sharing the message yeah for sure because even within the communities there's even a jokes like Colin black people don't go camping (laughs) like it's 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 a joke that is made throughout people color really like don't like the outdoors and it's such a thing mm. in the community that why like we don't do that it's not this is white people think you know 
how I found Nature Bench was because I watched Country Fell. I never watched Country Fell. Oh, but you I, saw Dwayne Fields? Yeah, I saw Dwayne Fields a bit because mm. on Twitter, I saw the hashtag, the countryside is racist. And I was like, what is this about? Mm. What is going on here? You know? Yeah, I, that actually brought to mind throughout um, my childhood and teenager, every time we'd go on those trips, it would always strike me that wherever we'd go in the countryside, we were always the only brown yes. family yeah. around us. Mm. Um, and I guess that's kind of played a part in why I didn't feel like I could like those trips because wherever we went, it felt like it felt even more so that we were the outsider because me and Jem grew up in the same town, mm-hmm. a very white suburban town. So we were already used to that. But I didn't know that there was something even more extreme because mm-hmm. at least in the town that me and Jem grew up, there's the Filipino community. There's um, yes. South Asian communities <clears throat> as well, even if it's minority communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever my mom took me on those trips, I couldn't find anyone else who was Asian, Black, South Asian or anyone that could come even close to representing my experience. So I was like, this is not for me, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were telling me about that episode, I watched it with you. Yeah. And it was the first time I thought, oh, this is not just something that I notice. It's a huge, it, it's a huge thing. I'm assuming that you saw it. That uh, like little segment. The the country. Fu- no, I didn't. I'm going to admit that. No, no. I I don't have much time to watch TV anymore. I know it sounds really really lame. This year has been really difficult, right? Every you you kind of mentioned yeah. it earlier, and I have a I have a son. Um, he's a quarter Chinese and really proud. <laughs> that is really so cute. Great. It's so cute. He's like young yeah, Chinese and he's like blonde Aww. and blue eyed. So <laughs> it's oh, wow. really weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, uh, he's very sweet, but during lockdown schools closed. Right. And so yeah. um, we had to home, I had to homeschool him and I was like basically homeschooling during the day and then like working in the evenings and stuff. So it was like right in that sort oh, of point when mm. it was like horrendous, it was horrendous. <laughs> like, um, so I like haven't caught working. up with it, but I did, I did like uh, see the kind of volcanic eruption on, on Twitter. On twi- yeah. Mm. Yeah. Afterwards. And it was really depressing. What did you think of people saying that, you know the countryside isn't racist or like what are they talking about is for everyone that, those I, type think of I, I didn't watch it so i can't really comment i just know from my conversation with Dwayne that i've had before is that he feels that it's not that it's not that the countryside is necessarily un, unwelcoming it's that we don't realize or people of color don't realize it's for them as well and therefore yeah. there are some stereotypes and i think he was mm-hmm. one he sort of said to me, like when his parents came over from Jamaica, he was like, we're here to work. And like, my mom was exactly mm-hmm. the same. It's like, we're here to work. We're here to make money. We're here to make a better life for ourselves. And like recreation, you know, unless it was Mahjong or whatever, it didn't really like factor <laughs> It didn't really like factor in. And so I, th- I think a lot of things that you can't, it, it's really, really hard, but you, you, you can only, try and empathize with other people and I think you have Mm. you know you have so many different opinions Mm -hmm. and stereotypes and feelings like the urban birder when uh, David Lindo when I was chatting to him he was sort of implying that actually he doesn't think that what people term as microaggressions are necessarily racist and I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people will disagree with that and I don't want to put words into his mouth, but as I understood it, he thinks it's more like ignorance or like misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So when I go out for a walk, not everyone will say hello to me, um, even mm-hmm. if I say hello to them. And not I won't always say hello to people if I see them. And that isn't, I don't think that's a race thing. I think that's a British thing where mm-hmm. people are like, mm, I'm talk yeah. to you. <laughs> 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 and oh, stranger danger. You know, it's like for some of it, I think it's that. But obviously there are some instances where people are openly racist but mm. i think just a lot of it is around, is just it is ignorance and i'm not saying yeah. that that's right or wrong but i think that's what and i'm not 100% sure but i think that's what Dwayne was sort of hinting at and then just people just went off the scale mental about it what do you think because you watched it yeah i think yeah i think it's just because he was he was basically saying that the study showed a lot of people including white people thought the countryside wasn't open or welcoming to disadvantaged people or people of color yeah i think because of the way he was 
really putting highlight on that. It didn't gel with the scouty type people yeah. who get taught like nature is for everyone, but they don't really see kind of the other side and not necessarily how racist they can be, but the portrayals, you know, you don't see adventurers who are black or, you know, let's be honest, uh, a worse word for adventure is colonialism. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what, that's what colonizing was. It was yeah. going to a far off, mm. far off land we're usually the um, prize at the end of the adventure, you know, is like the the savage, the or savage. Or just like land. the uh, usually the kind of helper character that you encounter oh, yeah. in your the adventures, the guide. Yeah, we're never the Indiana like Jones. We're the we short just... round. We're the one who drives the car around and speaks <laughs> yeah. Chinese to people in Shanghai and stuff. I guess it's kind of just questioning what the undercurrent is. It doesn't mean yeah. that like it's purposeful set out that way but there there is an undercurrent of we do not belong here and I mean, this is not for us yeah whenever i go for walks and i i pass people i will get a look that's a bit more than just a acknowledging there's another person look it's like a oh what are you doing here i'm like i gotta admit when i see like a brown person walk past me i'm like oh another brown person just because mm-hmm. it is that you know i guess it's that suppressed and that surprising to see other mm-hmm. people of color out it's usually a really nice surprise as well. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. (laughs) High five. (laughs) (laughs) But I would agree that I don't think there's something necessarily malicious about these microaggressions that we face. I think it's there um, Mm -hmm. and it exists, but I'm always all quite reluctant to say that like, this is evil and this is good. And it's Mm -hmm. like, sometimes it's just the way that things are woven into like yeah. the ideas of, of of our social fabric it's it's the word that people use and it's we can challenge it without saying like this is evil and wrong mm. we can just say this is there and mm. we need to talk about it yeah and well. like chinese people are seriously racist as well come on like, yes, like that's like i grew up with that as well i'm not you know it's a it's a fundamental issue throughout society and actually one of the um, podcast episodes recently was with a guy called Nick Hayes and he wrote this book called The Book of Trespass and actually he kind of traces, um, he's kind of looking into like the issue of land rights and our right to roam and it was when, apparently it was when William the Conqueror came over and he used to like to go deer hunting so he used to fence off areas which he called forests, they weren't necessarily Mm. forests as we know them now but he fenced Mm. off areas to stop commoners coming in. And it was only then that this kind of like, um, kind of separation between like people who used to be able to roam free to being excluded from sort of certain Mm. grounds and places. And so like you were mentioning earlier, it's like steeped in sort of colonialism and the kind of disconnect of nature and like us moving away from it can be sort of traced back to that time. And then obviously through industrialization and things like that. So there's so much feeding into the issue of this disconnect with nature. And I think it's easy to pinpoint the blame on different things, but actually it's really, really complex, but hopefully like really, really easy to fix as well, because the evidence shows that actually even the mundane nature, like the everyday nature, the the kind of the clouds, the wind whistling in the trees, the the local green spaces, the parks, they are also nature. They're mm-hmm. also part of the natural world. And actually they're mm-hmm. just as important places for people to spend time for their physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. So actually you don't need to go up hiking up a mountain or a hill. Actually you can just get better connected to nature on your, on your daily sanity walk during lockdown or yeah. you know when you're walking to work and you notice like planters or front gardens mm-hmm. and things like that so actually if we just if we you know kind of like focus on the uh the micro what we can deal with during lockdown and beyond mm-hmm. like what's around us actually mm-hmm. we can improve our connection to nature and give us confidence to spend more time outdoors yeah. and I think that's the thing that 
we should all try and focus on. It's about hyper-local experiences that are around you. It's not about going to, for me anyway, it's not about going to the great outdoors yeah. and going for a, 10, a 10K hike and stuff. I can't do a 10K hike. I'm too lazy. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to do a 10K hike. I want to go for an hour walk around my where I live and I want to have a really nice time and I want to come home and I want to watch Netflix and chill. You know, that's mm. the kind of thing I want to do. <laughs> that sounds like a great Saturday. Yeah, yeah, but that's right. And I think it's about making it hyper-local. It's yeah. about everyday nature. Um, it's about, your, you know, plants and your garden, your yeah. balcony yeah. or all of that kind of stuff. That's what's important yeah. right now. And if we sort of spend our time and effort on on working on that aspect, I think it will make a, it, it would be really great for, for everyone who can who can mm-hmm. make time for it. I actually think that's been like a positive of lockdown that a lot I know Mm. a lot of my friends who've never really been into walking because of Mm. lockdown there's nothing else to do like in those first three months all they did was walk it is those little things that can ease you into enjoying nature and appreciating what we have Mm. uh, and Mm -hmm. and the outside and it is such it's so good for your mental well-being and I never Mm -hmm. really realized before until I gave it proper time it just it yeah. just clears everything like if you have a worry or or mm-hmm. anything go on a walk and it just clears your mind so it's it's yeah. it is something that i think people should do more and i hope people do more um one thing i did want to ask and this is going to like circle back right to mm-hmm. like the beginning of you of you starting um go jointly and i just yeah. wanted to kind of ask about your experience with it and how you managed to balance like new mm-hmm. motherhood along yeah. with starting a business and how you've kind of maintained that over the years, whether it's improved, mm. that kind of thing. And how do you deal with tech bros as a woman of color? Yeah. <laughs> Tell uh, us. Tech bros. <laughs> so this one I can talk about because I've been in the industry quite a long time. Mm. Um, so I started out as an intern. Um, very lucky to have been able to do that with my mom helping to pay my rent and stuff. And that was fine. Um, and I learned kind of like a lot about working in small creative industries. And then it was very male dominated. I guess it was like the early noughties. Mm-hmm. And I basically wanted to get a bit more experience elsewhere. And I started a new job. And the creative director said to me, when I, when I was introduced to him, he was like, wow, you're so manga. And I was horrified. Oh what? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> So that that was, mean? I was just like at the time I was like is this a compliment or is this massively racist oh my god so can I, I ask what did you respond with I think I just gave remember? him a dirty look uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like my first day I think I probably just went Ah, <laughs> but uh yeah so there was a lot and i don't know if you would call that a microaggression or just ignorance or just like I mean, that's just a major aggression at that point do you that, think so I, yeah i think, that's wild. Sure. I think it's yeah. at least huge ignorance on his it's part yeah. Like, yeah so yeah. Uh, and this was back in the day so hopefully we you know like people a bit more sensitive now mm. and so i had, did Good have hope. that quite a lot yeah just stupid things like people Mm. saying I look manga and then um just like basically had to work twice as hard as all of my male colleagues it was horrendous like they'd all like rock up at I don't know 10 to 10 and leave at like 5 30 and I'd be there until nine o'clock at night three o'clock in the morning just working 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 basically to just because I felt like I had to prove myself yeah um and you know midway through my career I found out that like the guy who was my subordinate was like basically earning the same salary as me and you know just like all of this bs basically um but I think I have a really and it's probably because my mom because she was working since she was 13 Mm -hmm. remember I have a really good (laughs) like really good slash bad work ethic uh-huh. And so you you just work 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 and I think basically that's yeah. how I got to where I was mm-hmm. because for for dudes for the guys it was a lot easier yeah you know they yeah. earned, they earned more money and they didn't have and it felt like they didn't really have to prove themselves yeah so I think I I think that was the that was the way I got through it and I'm not saying that that's right but it did mm-hmm. mean that. When I moved up the ranks at the design consultancy I was working with, I got to hire loads of women. And, uh, oh, and so, cool. yeah, so I hired loads of female designers. I um I helped make decisions on promotions for women and equal pay. Oh. And 
you know, that I felt really good about that because I was like, yeah. I, I've managed to get where I am through hard work and all I can see all of these other people, lots of women working really hard and not getting their recognition, but they're mm-hmm. obviously they're able to champion them. So I think that yeah. was that was really great for mm-hmm. me and for them, I think. Um, because sometimes you just need someone who's a bit you know, like higher up in the work hierarchy mm-hmm. there to yeah. represent you and your interests. And, yeah. yes. and so I think, you know, I was really pleased that I was able to do that. Unfortunately, when I went on maternity leave, things took a turn for me and that began to affect my career because I wanted uh-huh. to work part time. Yeah. And I, but I was still, I still felt clever and intelligent mm-hmm. and able yeah. to work, but it, it, it wasn't really compatible. And so that's when I decided mm. to, to like leave and mm-hmm. basically join my, um, com- my, my old friend as a sort of a co-founder of a design consultancy and, um, where I could like basically work my own hours and, and do what yeah. I wanted to do. And, and that was, that was really good for me as well, because mm-hmm. it wasn't, nothing was going to change, especially mm-hmm. at that time since all of the, uh, hashtag me too and you know everyday sexism and time's up and all of that stuff happened yeah. I suddenly realized that actually my career was peppered with mm-hmm. all of those things that happened yeah. to like yeah. many yeah. women and mm-hmm. some men but many women and I realized that actually it's probably made me stronger but yeah. uh, it was just one of those things I guess but I'm yeah. glad hopefully I don't know I hope it's going to be easier for women in business from now on and especially young I people mean, that's amazing yeah and uh, i i just want to say i res- i respect that so much in you yeah. that you were able to push through because i hear so much that tech is such a hostile environment mm-hmm. for women and and me and connor and Jem work in kind of the film industry where it's sort of similar but i feel like tech might be even more hostile mm-hmm. as an environment to women and so i just wanted to say I mean, you don't need to hear it from me, but such a huge well done yeah. to you. It's like amazing to hear that. And someone said to me a few days ago, that like, even if you feel disheartened by the way that you're treated in film, you need to push because change happens at the top. Mm-hmm. And so that should be the reason why you should try to get try to get the top there. so you can make those changes happen, which sounds exactly like what, what you did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried to anyway, you know, it was very, very hard, but it's such important work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah I, just, I have a lot of admiration for you for having been able to kind of push through that and and then once getting to the top, helping other women, because I think that's also another thing that I, I really love is that women are coming together to help one another and to boost each mm-hmm. other up. And that's what we need. We need to. And like, I know, cause I, like I mentioned, I, I worked within tech and I, I mean, I ended up giving up because for me, it was just too much. It, it was a lot of everyday little comments and I'm once it, it would build up, I just ended up leaving. So, um, I, I, I just amazed and like in awe of you that you were able to go through years of that. And, and now you're like an amazing boss and you've got, like, you've done so well for yourself <laughs> and helping other women out there. So it's, it's yeah. just really lovely to hear. It's great to hear. Cause I remember. You said that you got told to be more masculine at like an event to get ahead. <sighs> that was like, I laughed, but it was like a laugh. So it's sort of like a laugh that was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. What? Because that wasn't not recent though, right? When you got told that. Yeah, that's quite. Well, I don't know. Do you call like it was about three years ago? That's quite recent, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty yeah. recent. That Still is pretty recent. Yeah. Saying that stuff. Yeah, it was a woman who said that as well, which is just like, oh. so she, she was a, uh, it was like, tra- like basically training you to present in front of VCs. Mm-hmm. And it was like when going to was sort of like just starting out and we'd got some like grant funding and like as part of it, you could get like all of these like workshops, like how to improve your recruiting, how to improve marketing. Da, da, da. And one was like how to improve your pitching skills. Mm-hmm. And I was the only female I think in like that group of um, guys that had been shortlisted and yeah she was just like you know like you've got a dress you know like you're kind of moving like this I'm like that's how I move (laughs) and you know you need to like be a bit more like you know stiff and firm and like you know you like lower your pitch Mm -hmm. and I was just like are you serious? Yeah. You know, suddenly I'm going to have to go, hi, I'm Hannah. How are you? <laughs> like, it would also help if you grew a moustache and yeah, had a penis, you know? <laughs> yeah, and didn't wear a dress potentially, you know, that, those kind of things. It was really annoying. And I guess, mm-hmm. 
I think I called it out a little bit, but I was like, a, I was only a woman, the only woman there. So it was like very, very hard to like, just call people yeah. out like that. Uh, afterwards it really, really pissed me off. Yeah. Um, and I realized like how fundamentally flawed, like that whole kind of VC world is. Yeah. And that like, if you're a woman in tech, uh, let alone a person of color or a black woman in tech, like it's so hard to raise funding yeah. because yeah. you just, you know, there's so many prejudices. So I've pretty much, um, I've pretty much given up on all of that now. I just can't mm. be, I can't be dealing with it. I don't know if I was getting rejections because of how I look or mm-hmm. the fact that I'm a woman or I just wasn't good enough or the mm-hmm. business wasn't good enough. I don't know what it was, whatever it was, I can't be dealing with it. So yeah. um, I've just like, I'm just continuing to like bootstrap and like try and make it a viable business and, mm-hmm. you know, not listen to people like that who I don't, I can't trust that they are coming from a genuine place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fair enough. And like, I guess jokes on them because people need like walking um apps much more than yeah whatever shit tech thing they were trying to sell anyway so <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> yeah it's wonderful to hear your your stories i mentioned a bit ago i've been feeling a little bit, little bit disheartened about my industry so it always is uplifting to hear from another woman of color and just have someone to be like oh they're they they did such amazing things I could mm-hmm. be like that but yeah sorry that that was my piece <laughs> <laughs> that's all right thanks so much for inviting me on um I uh, I mentioned this on Twitter but like no one's ever really asked me before like what it's like to be a person of color in tech or mm. a woman in like like I have been asked about women in tech but person of color in tech and why uh, I, I didn't even know the acronym that you sent me I had to google it so it was like okay. British East Southeast Asian like no one's yeah. ever really asked me that and I found mm-hmm. that quite interesting I, I, it feels strange that no one's asked me but then mm-hmm. it also feels like an opportunity so yeah. um yeah, maybe, you know like in the future uh we should maybe go out on a jaunt when we're allowed to yes, <laughs> yes. I'm so down for that we should kind of uh round it off with a few quick fire so i didn't yeah. send you the questions that you're going to ask so this will be it's only going to be 10 but this will be your quick instant what your first thought is oh uh, god okay don't worry they're <laughs> not too our, they're not tense or nothing it's our little segment called bite-sized bites yeah it's called yeah. bite-sized bites because <laughs> it rhymes <laughs> um, okay good. so first question rice or noodles rice <laughs> yeah oh. yeah i would agree <laughs> I do like noodles though. Okay, second question. What's your favorite app on your phone? Besides, obviously, of course, Go John Lee. <laughs> second favorite app there. Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. <laughs> would you rather go on a beach or into the woods? Woods. Yeah? Definitely, 100%. I hate beaches. Oh, okay. Really? But you grew up in Portsmouth. Girl. Yeah, but that was Maybe stone. It was like a stony beach. Don't get me wrong. I do like beaches, but what I don't like doing is laying on a beach sunbathing. Like that's, I don't know if that's oh, like a, yeah. an Asian thing where people don't do that. Like if I could walk yeah. along a beach, fine, but I'm not going to yeah. sunbathe. Yeah. yeah I, I just don't like sand. Would you rather go camping or just get a nice room? Like a B&B room or something? I've never been camping. Have you not? Oh. Never. It's horrible. Why? Like I'm like your dad. I'm like, why would you want to go and sleep on a, like a, a crazy mattress when you could have like a you know like Egyptian cotton sheets and duvet? Hundred percent posh hotel if I could afford it. Fair enough. Would you rather go a road trip or interrailing? You know when you like yeah. um, like hop off on enough trains. I've never done interrailing. I'd quite like to do that. I'd probably have to stay interrailing because cars are bad. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, Safe environment while you're exploring. That's true. Mm-hmm. Up a mountain or down a valley? Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> down a valley because up a mountain sounds like really hard work. <laughs> yeah. I'll this the same is thing. a great way to get to know you, by the way. Just these quick bites. Tea or coffee? Oh, coffee. <laughs> yes. That seemed very strenuous, that one. A lot of them feel like they're really <laughs> difficult questions, which means you did a good job thinking of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coffee. Easier paved route or beaten off the path route? Mm, easier paved route. Yeah. Sushi or KBBQ, Korean barbecue? Uh, 
Uh, I've only just eaten Korean barbecue like in the last few years, so probably sushi. But I do really like Korean barbecue as well now. Yeah, it's really good. I love it. Last one, favorite podcast. You know, as opposed to Nature Bands and Races Race, obviously. <laughs> but what, what is your other favorite podcast? <laughs> oh my god, you're gonna hate me. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> Wow. So you, you have a podcast, but you don't listen to the podcast. You have an outdoors app, but you never be camping. The secrets have come out. Remember what I said? You don't have to go to the great outdoors to experience nature. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And I did. I really liked, um, oh, I've forgotten the names of them. The uh, The only one I li- listen to, but rarely, is This American Life. And then um, yes. yeah, I, know I really like cereal as well, but they're the only I haven't really. I don't oh, really, cereal's really good. Cereal's good, but I don't yeah. really listen to podcasts. I mean, I should probably because mine might be better if I did. Amazing. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that was bite sized bites, I guess. You did a really good job at thinking of those questions. Yeah, they're good questions. All quite tough. That wasn't supposed to be stressful or nothing, but Hannah seemed like to have a panic attack every time she heard one. Yeah, because like, I don't <gasps> think, like, if you had said, like, potato or rice, then I would have said, well, like, that would have been 100% yeah. rice. That's an easy <laughs> game. Yeah, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love potato as well, so, anyway. Yeah, um, anything you want to plug? Yeah, download the Go Jointly app. You can download it on the Play Store and the App Store. And, yeah, check out the Nature Bounce podcast if you like us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and... That's pretty much it. Gem, in turn, how can they find Rice's Rice? Just to close it off. You can find Rice's Rice. Our episodes are out every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those podcasting platforms. And you can also find us on Instagram at Rice's Rice Pod, on Twitter at Rice's Rice underscore pod, which is kind of on the <laughs> works. Um, Facebook, Rice's Rice. And also our YouTube channel will be coming out very, very soon. And that's Rice's Rice. Um, cool so you know finally thank you hannah for joining us it was super interesting yeah so just everything everything you said from tech to the outdoors to mm-hmm. uh you know your mom telling you that she's worked from the age of 13 gotta mention it one more time um it was it was all insightful all very interesting for us and i'm sure everyone else listening i hope so yeah and remember every wednesday don't forget to get some rice in your life Thank you so much. Have a good Saturday. Thank you. Don't forget to walk more. Yes. I'm actually going to go on a walk now. Right after this. Bye. 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 Thank you.